A reading from the Book of Ezra. King Darius issued an order to the officials of west of the Euphrates. Let the governor and the elders of the Jews continue the work on that house of God. They are to rebuild it on its former site. I also issue this decree concerning your dealings with these elders of the Jews in the rebuilding of that house of God. From the royal revenue, the taxes of west of Euphrates, let these men be repaid for their expenses in full and without delay. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be carefully executed. The elders of the Jews continued to make progress in the building, supported by the message of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edu. They finished the building according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus and Darius and of Artaxerxes, king of Persia. They completed this house on the third day of the month Adar, in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. The children of Israel, priests, Levites, and the other returned exiles, celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, and 400 lambs, together with 12 he-goats as a sin offering for all Israel, in keeping with the number of the tribes of Israel. Finally, they set up the priests in their classes and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God in Jerusalem, as is prescribed in the Book of Moses. The exiles kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. The Levites, every one of whom had purified himself for the occasion, sacrificed the Passover for the rest of the exiles, for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. The word of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, we will go up to the house of the Lord, and now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city with compact unity, to it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, I give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David.
Dominus vobiscum. Lectio Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucam. The mother of Jesus and his brothers came to him and were unable to join him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they wish to see you. He said to them in reply, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and act on it. Verbum Domini. Three days this week, the church reads and listens to the prophet Ezra. The only three days in the three-year lectionary cycle where the church reads from the prophet Ezra. The prophet Ezra's writings were during a time of post-exile period, during the beginnings of the reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem after its first destruction in 587 BC. And for the next three weeks, we will read from these post-exile prophets, Haggai, also Zechariah, Nehemiah, Baruch, Jonah, Malachi, and Joel. So pay attention during the first reading. Usually sometimes in the first reading, we're not paying much attention because it's from the Old Testament and Maybe sometimes it's not so clear to make the connections, but these are very, very important readings that speak to us about what God wants to do in each one of us. That is restoration, rescue. Even when things are being destroyed, when things seem dark, that's when God wants to act the most. That's when God is acting the most. God never gives up on us. We give up on God. The prophets continually call us back to God. When we fall away from the covenant, when we turn away from the precepts of the Lord, the prophets call us back to adherence to the covenant. And two things to keep in mind during these readings over the next couple of weeks. That is, first of all, the temple in Jerusalem. The temple is God's dwelling place. The psalm response, let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. 
The temple was God's dwelling among men. And its restoration. During these next three weeks, the readings will focus specifically the first reading on the restoration of God's temple after its destruction. And secondly, to a call to a way of life, holiness of life, a life set apart for God and all the things of God. Again, one, the temple and its reconstruction, its reconfiguration, and holiness of life. Perhaps even a message that every time in God's people need to hear, that we all need restoration. We all need healing. We all need to set our lives apart for God. We never get tired. We should never grow tired of hearing and listening to the voice of God and what God desires to do within our souls. The Lord's chosen people had longed to see their home in Jerusalem during this exile, during the Babylonian exile. Place yourself over these next couple of weeks in the shoes, so to speak, of the chosen people in exile away from Jerusalem, away from their temple, away from God in a sense. They longed to see the temple, the place of the living God. But the temple was more than just a building. It was the dwelling place of the Lord. The non-Jewish King Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to their home in Jerusalem and began to help them to rebuild. And King Cyrus was also committed to help the Jewish people rebuild their temple, and he encouraged all the people to participate, even non-Jews, to participate in the rebuilding of the temple, the sacred place of God. And King Cyrus sent this decree. And this is from yesterday's first reading. All of the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord, the God, the heaven of heaven has given to me. And he has also charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Therefore, whoever among you belongs to any part of his people, let him go up. And may his God be with him. Let everyone who has survived in whatever place he may have dwelt be assisted by the people of that place with silver, gold, goods, and cattle, together with freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. And all of their neighbors responded. They all gave help in every way. Silver, gold, goods, cattle, and with many precious gifts besides all of their free will offerings. And doesn't this sound familiar? That it's the people of God who contribute to the building of churches, church buildings, all throughout salvation history, not only in Christianity, 
but all throughout our Judeo-Christian experience of salvation history, the people of God contribute to the building of sacred buildings set apart for God. And just even look at this building here. It just didn't fall out of the sky built like this, but it was built by, by people, by generous benefactors, by people in Birmingham in the 60s. Maybe some of you remember those days here in the 60s when people came here to build these buildings, the monastery grounds, the chapel, and through the years, you don't think that these vestments and, and vessels and the altar and the tabernacle just all of a sudden show up. Just a, a, a truck pulls up and people just load off the things and just, no, people give these things. They give these things to adorn their churches because the house of God is sacred just like we are meant to be sacred. And we have the privilege, and Jim works here all day long, so he has the privilege of taking care of this chapel, taking care of the vessels, taking care of the vestments and ironing the vestments and you know, changing the candles. And everything in the house of God is meant to be sacred. Why? It's meant to show us, to point to us, that we are sacred even more so than, than the altar, even more so than the candles and the, the tabernacle. We are, especially what's in the tabernacle, who's in the tabernacle, our Lord. That's what this church is built for. Any church is built to house the living God, most especially as Christians in the most holy Eucharist. Everything points to his sacrifice on the cross, his sacrifice that is made present to us on the altar when we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And that is why we use sacred vessels. That is why we don't just use any cup or anything on the altar, but it's meant to be set apart and it's meant to be sacred because it's used for sacred purposes. Again, because God is sacred and you are sacred. Because you are made holy. You are God's temple. You're made holy through your baptism and the reception of the sacraments. The rebuilding of God's temple points prophetically to God's plan to gather all peoples in Christ. In Jesus, God's own son in the incarnation, Jesus Christ is the living temple of God. The temple that all peoples will be called to. A temple where all people will be restored and built, rebuilt. And on the cross, his body the temple of the living God was destroyed and on the third day rose from the dead. So just when everything was thought to have been destroyed, just like in salvation history, everything looked like it was a disaster and destroyed, what does God do? 
he rebuilds, he restores, he renews, he rescues, he puts out his hand, and he lifts up. It's exactly what he wants to do all throughout salvation history. In your life and in my life, even in the present day, he wants to restore and to renew again and again and again. It's a big word in theology. We call this recapitulation, that he wants to restore. And our restoration is in Jesus Christ, in his resurrection from the dead. He said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And from the cross, the Lord began the greatest rebuilding project in all of human history. Even before the cross, he, he started this project. But on the cross reached its pentacle. It's, uh, in, in music, you would call this like a crescendo. Its, its greatest point, its highest crescendo, is just when you think that all is lost on the cross, God wants to rebuild. And in his resurrection, his light enters the world. The gospel points to us the importance about what it meant to read the word of God, what it meant to hear the word of God and ponder it in your heart. Many icons of the Blessed Virgin Mary have an image of a dove actually hovering around her ear and actually even entering her ear, the Blessed Virgin's ear. That the Blessed Virgin is a model for the church because she's mother of the church and she's the first disciple, the greatest disciple of the Lord about what happens when we listen to the word of God and what's, what's really meant to happen. When she takes in the word of God, she listens to the word of God, and that word of God so transforms her. It's said that the, the Blessed Virgin Mary first pondered the word of God, was receptive to the word of God, and that word became flesh in her womb so much so that it did transform her. And we should always take care of what we put into our ears, right? I know I was told this by my parents growing up, but I never listened. And I still, even to this day, suffer from the effects of what I have put into my ears, what we put into our, our senses. In a sense, it makes us heretics in our mind, because it can distort the way we think. What we put into our ears, what we listen to, the music, the TV shows, if you listen to horrible music all day long and listen to soap operas, watch soap operas all the time, it's gonna affect the way you think. It's gonna corrupt you. And that, 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 that can affect you the rest of your life. And you need to be purified. And that's why the word of God is meant to purify your mind. And it's meant to be like an antivirus, so to speak. 
I know all of you probably run antivirus on your computers and on your smartphones and things like that to get rid of unwanted things. Do we run that type of thing through our, our body, our mind, our soul? And just pondering the word of God. And Pope Benedict XVI, especially after the Synod on the Word of God, he wrote a, a beautiful document, uh, Verbum Domini, and he encouraged that all families should have, first of all, Bible, common sense, right? All families should read from the Word of God often, even every day, and just allow the Word of God to be their compass, more so than even the, um, the classes that you take, more so than the, um, the extracurricular activities that we're involved in. The Word of God is meant to, to change us, and that's meant to be at the very center of our life. And the Word of God is meant to rebuild, to restore. And just like we're going to be hearing about two or three weeks from now, how the chosen people in exile long to hear the word of God. They long to, to read from the scrolls of the word of God, that longing for God. Do we have that type of longing for the word of God? Just like maybe we have a longing to watch a television show or listen to something, your, fa your favorite kind of music. The Word of God transforms us more than anything on TV, even EWTN. Hopefully, we're proclaiming the Word of God to you all day long. But I always like to encourage people that come to EWTN here on pilgrimage, shut off your TV. Listen to, read the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what, what Christ wants to speak to you in and through the scriptures. And let that be your antivirus for the day. Let that transform and renew your mind.